Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, and welcome to another edition of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I've got a special program for you today. Uh, I am with none other than Peter C. Atherton. He is an author, he's a speaker, and he's also the president and founder of Actions Prove LLC. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Just want to make sure. Uh, but no, Pete, we're, we're so glad to have you on the show today. Pete is, is also a recovering engineer uh, he's got uh, almost 25 years uh, in, on the job as a, uh, a licensed uh, professional engineer. He was a civil engineer with uh, several firms up in the Northeast, including Metcalf and Eddy and Wright Pierce. And uh, he is uh, now taking his time to travel around the country and spend time with other engineers and other people that are working in the design industry to help them be the best that they can be. And uh, I, I certainly would love to give his superhero origin story, but I think it's always best for for our guests to, to really tell uh, a little bit about themselves and, and let the audience hear directly from them, you know, what what makes them so special. So, so Pete, welcome to the, welcome to the show. Why, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, great. It's good to have you. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, well, for 24 years, I was a practicing professional engineer, civil engineer, and I um, was fortunate to work for a couple of really great firms, uh, worked for great managers, and um, was able to rise through the ranks as a, as a junior engineer to a senior vice president, practice group leader, principal on the board, and a, and a major owner of a mid-sized firm for, for many years and uh, on the board for 13 of that. And it was absolutely wonderful. I loved all the experience and the camaraderie and the designing projects. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I just I wanted a little bit more um, my personal changes in life. And I 
decided I was going to shift to what I call a new form of civil engineering versus, you know, designing systems and um, for for projects and infrastructure. It was designing systems for people and organizations to, to exceed and excel um, with more impact and without burnout um, and just continued success in the new era we live because it's just a new era work wise and what people want out of life. And I just want to be a part of that space. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I know that you've um, you also dipped your toe into the author arena by writing a book. Uh, you did a book, Reversing Burnout. I have a copy here that you were so kind to share with me. And I've actually had a chance to, to I haven't read the whole book. I've, I've read through some. I'm taking a speed reading course now. So uh, that's helping me considerably with all of the books that are on my plate. But um, you, you really have some good ideas in there. Uh, and you really quote some great resources that have helped you along the way. And so, um, I, you know, I just love to to get your thoughts about that and, and maybe how you view the industry now versus the way things were back in the early 90s. Because I think, you know, you and I are almost the same age. And so you have a frame of reference for how things used to be versus how they are now. And for young engineers that are listening to this podcast, I think they need to understand the the changing dynamics of the industry and, and how things have changed in the design space, even for architects, engineers, architects, it doesn't really matter. Um, they're all, all, firms all have requirements for what they need people to do. Um, and, and, and how they need uh, folks to operate in order to get the most out of them to be able to achieve the objectives that the firms lay out. But, but it still is a, a very much people oriented business where individuals have to take care of themselves and, um, and, and manage the process. But I'd love to get kind of get your thoughts around just that general idea of managing the process as an engineer. Um, and maybe you can go back in time and think about it, what, what, what it was like for you as a young engineer. Sure. Well, it's interesting because some things have changed and some things just have not changed. And, you know, the, the things that have not changed is, you know, particularly for a young person coming out of school is you need to put in some time to master your craft and to make a name. And there's just going to be no shortcut to great experience, no shortcut to learning, to failing, to learning again, um, having mentors in the system. Um, there's just because as an engineer, as an architect too, I mean, we have to work in gray areas. We have to develop judgment. And we're not going to do that with knowledge alone. Um, there's a whole lot of understanding that needs to be figured out. Um, and then there's ultimately going to lead to wisdom and that wisdom is going to help win projects. It's going to help design projects. And so that piece, that hard piece is never going to change. What has changed is that the pace of, of life in engineering firms and in, in society as well. We, we have devices now. We're on the clock 24 hours a day if we allow that to happen. There used to be engineers, you know, multiple levels of engineers on a project, and you got a lot of mentoring. Um, then there were designers, and then there was a review team. Um, a lot of the, uh, the market today forces the different types of projects. Sometimes there's one engineer. Uh, a rotating junior engineer, a manager that might also do QAQC. And um, in general, sometimes we're, we're more hurried and there's less teamwork, uh, but a lot more responsibility. And so that's just a dynamic that is changing. I think people are recognizing the, the pace has changed in the amount of checks and, and balances, if you will, the mentoring opportunities um, for a while, maybe straight a little bit. But I think firms are making a concerted effort now for better collaboration, better oversight, and better mentoring. 
Yeah, that, I think mentoring. And you, it's funny you say that because we were. I was just at an, an event last week, and and one of the key retention tools that we talked about was professional and personal development mentoring. Um, a lot of young people that I talk to uh, that have been in the industry for just a couple of years, no, nowhere near the experience that you have uh, in the design industry. You know, one of their biggest complaints is that, hey, nobody's mentoring me. Nobody's telling me, hey, how, this is how you do this or how you get to this next level. And I think that's that's a that's something that most firms can implement. Um, to be successful with their uh, employees and to, you know, help build a stronger team, uh, especially when you're you are one 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 on one helping individuals just be the best that they can be. Right. It 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 just has to be a priority and it has to be part of the firm's overall strategy because it it won't necessarily be accommodated on the budgets and it won't necessarily be accommodated on the schedules. It. And there is a gap between, you know, where engineers leave school and even in the first couple of years of practice, if you come from a big firm or a small firm and transition in from, you know, public work or industry work into a firm, that there are these gaps that exist. And I think a firm just has to consciously say, we're going to fill the gap. And it's it can't just happen on the job unless there's that investment made. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the difference was for you coming coming along um, through the years, uh, both at Metcalf and Eddie and at Wright Pierce that really helped you to kind of solidify your role in the design space? Well, I think I was I was fortunate that, number one, I, I landed with two great firms. And within that, I just had great managers, people who really invested in me. And, you know, so I think that was phenomenal. At the same time, you know, I was a worker. I mean, I, I wanted to do well. I wanted to exceed expectations. And so I think that was attractive to managers who I was working for who wanted to help me out. And I had many conversations where, son, you're not even asking me the right questions. Come here or why don't you come in? You know, this is a, several great people. I mean, people who wrote the book, so to speak, of Metcalf and Eddie, you know, Wastewater Engineering. Right, and right. so big name people. And I will say multiple people in that organization had the son. Why don't you come in tomorrow morning at 630? We'll talk through this um, or do this work, figure this out and come back to me after hours and I will walk you through. And so there was that type of just that camaraderie and, and wanting to help out a junior engineer. But I think it was also his motivation on my behalf. I wasn't looking for shortcuts. I wanted to understand. So I think that mentorship definitely to be successful goes both ways. Yeah, it does. It really does. And, and you're right. I, I'm just, it'd be curious to see if, if, um, the older, more seasoned veterans in the design space are being pulled on for their knowledge today as they were in the past when you were coming up in the, in the say, between the ages of 22 or 23 and 28 years of age when you were first starting out. I know you were pulling on those mentors, those seasoned individuals. Are those same individuals nowadays in current, um, um, current environment, office environments being pulled on for their knowledge? So, so here's the rub. Those folks, ages 45 to 60, you know, the, the 20, 25, 30 years experience, they're carrying a heavy load. I mean, they, they are profit and loss in the organization. They are 45, 50, 55, 60 hours a week. 
and they are the recipients of tight budgets. Um, and at the same time, they have a life outside of the office. And I think it's a capacity issue. And I think that um, younger folks coming in might be able to balance the technology overload and be able to create some barriers. And I think it's it's people our age, it's people sort of we're in this world and we're not managing our barriers or boundaries correctly, and we just don't have it to give. And I think there's a little bit of expectation that, you know, someone at 50 is going to do what they did at 35, um, where some of their life circumstances have changed. They're looking at really making a difference and leveraging their knowledge, uh, but they're still in the grind. And I think to the extent that leaderships uh, in firms and, and firms can have it a practice of, you know, this season talent, this talent that can take the next generation and move them along in, in some of these critical factors, we need to give them some capacity to do so. And I think when it's laid out, um, it's an it, it's an obvious answer. But how do you get out of this, this funk of being super busy all the time um, and people leading to burnout? And th- this, you know, I had backed into the book. It wasn't my idea to write the book, but through various corners. I mean, people, once I was able to share my story, um, people opened up. I mean, whether not just engineers, but attorneys and physicians and people in the financial markets, these sort of high intensity professional careers where you don't, you're not really good until you've put 15 hard years in. Right. Um, right. But but a decade later, you know, there's a little bit of loss of efficacy. I need to sort of be regrounded and refreshed in why I love this career. Um, and there's a little bit of a process that takes place. And so, so as I started this, my new business, I mean, people were like, I love what you're doing. I, I absolutely love this whole idea of, you know, corporate social impact as a business growth strategy, better employee engagement. But you're three steps ahead of us. I, I just I can't get through today. Yeah. And so and I think and those are people our age. Right. Now, those are people. Those are that is the dynamic aspect of our business. You know, the four again, the forty-five to sixty-year-old, and they're just tapped out for the most part and don't have a lot to give. Yeah, you're and you're absolutely right. And I I can see it in the eyes of people that I train when I go around the country training uh, in a number of events, leadership and project management, and you know our our principals academy that we do a couple times a year. Uh, I can see it. I mean, they like the ideas. They love the, just the examples that we lay forth. But in the back of everybody's head, I can also see their brains working, saying, "Oh my God, I got to keep my utilization up." I have to continue to get this stuff out the door. And on top of that, I'm managing all these people. How do I make it work? How do I make it click and, and, and make it all gel so that it's, it's more symphonic than it is distorted in terms of my, my ability to be successful? Right. I need to see this as a viable investment that I can pull off, right. <laughs> not right. just a, right. a great idea that is it's a priority, but it's 10th on the priority list. Right. And so that's that that was a hurdle. So, you know, I, as I started talking with professional services firms, it was the t- you know, eventually he said, well, how do I connect this to a, a strategy? And you kind of walk through a process and I get it. It always came back to, I don't know that I have the capacity. And that's how it got into sort of, I got into more sort of leadership, private coaching and strategic planning, because this all has to be part of a more global, you know, um, uh, strategy session on how we want our firm to look next year, how we want our firm to look five years from now, how we want to retain our best talent and attract the best young talent to the firm. But we need to just sort of call it a timeout 
And it's, it's sometimes it's just the leader or the leadership team before they roll anything out. They really have to sort of check, where are we going? We've been so busy and, you know, we're not trying to do anything that's not top notch, but just circumstances are as they are. Let's call a timeout and do some strategic planning. Where do we want to be? And, and, and that's the, that's going to be the answer. We're going to help out the project managers. We're going to help out that principal to just reset some expectations. Yeah, and it's funny. Strategic planning is a big deal. Um, a lot of firms don't do it uh, or they don't, they don't execute it properly to make sure that everything that they're doing is, is, is in agreement. Uh, each department is in agreement with each other. Each leader is in agreement with each other and that they are uh, then developing the young people that are coming up through the firm to be successful. Uh, and that's a, that's a huge is- issue uh, that we see in the design industry. Right. And it gets into the it's important. No one would ever debate that it's not important. The problem is we have all kinds of urgent matters, um, important, urgent. We have a proposal. We have an interview. We have a project deliverable. We have to be able to, you know, end this quarter nicely. You know, we th- there's real there's very good things that are happening um, and they have a lot of urgency. Um, but there's some better around the corner with some things that are very important. It's just a matter of taking that time. So reversing burnout, um, the, the, the title, how to immediately engage top talent and grow. Um, what, what, what have, and obviously this is, you've, you've written this more and it's not just for the design firm. I mean, this actually can serve, uh, any organization could look at this book and, um, and, and, and take something away from it. But what, what were your biggest takeaways from the writing of this book? And, and what do you think your biggest aha moments? were in putting this together? Well, I think before I started, it was my aha moment that it's not just engineers that struggle. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, it's accountants, it's, it's attorneys, it's physicians, it's, it's anyone in the type of professional services field, or it's business owners that have taken 25 years to develop their business. There's just that all-in component, and after a certain time, uh, we recognize that things are a little different. How, how and that how do I transition in? And there's this phenomena of you know high achieving people where you know maybe it's not money's the issue anymore because their family's in a certain spot, they're able to go on vacation. It's not a money driver so much as you know what do I want to do with the rest of my life? You know I'm 50 and you know I don't know that I can do this anymore. And my heart breaks for organizations and even industries who are just losing talent because people are burnt out. And, and we just can't have people in. And there's so much temptation out there with the, you know, the gig economy and freelancers. And, and, and that's a viable thing. And that's that's not going to stop. But firms might lose out. Yeah. And so to me, and it's like, you know, you bring a new engineer in some of the most complicated projects and great projects for society need a team. It, it's not necessarily Freelancers can play a role, but, you know, the, the, the benefit of having a team of engineers and professionals work together, that's where I think a magic happens. And and I think everyone's in this transition period. So to me, it was a little bit more of, well, this is bigger than just the engineering space. But, you know, even within the engineering space, I mean, when I, you know, I people like, oh, you wrote the book in six months. I'm like, well, it was seven years of figuring out like what was going on. Um, and right. that was as as part of a 24 year career. So, I mean, you could say it was written in six months, but there's, only, there's a lot of years that went into that. Right. So, I, I mean, some of it is just it's breaking down my own journey in a way. Um and looking at 
just like one of the epiphany moments was, you know, we just have different seasons. So, and there's, you know, different work seasons and there's that season of just grinding and, learn, you know, mastering a craft and gets into really trying to make a name for yourself season two. And, but then there's that shift into wanting to make a difference. And then later on wanting to leave a legacy and, but within our families, you know, we have our twenties where it's a sort of a me and a we, and then we kind of shift into a family season. And there's that, period of hold on with white knuckles because the kids are young and if people have families and then there's that very difficult season of the kids are growing up and I only have three years left with the kids and then they're going to go and be adults and so there's that empty nesting phase and so sometimes our seasons are complementary and sometimes our seasons are are, um, in contrast and the more firms and leaders can understand and sometimes it's through mentoring relationship. Sometimes it's through more informed supervisor, you know, uh, super supervisee relationships. Um, but it's just recognizing where people are in life. And even if there's a season where, you know, I just need to work 40 hours this week, I need to work 45 um, or negotiating with your family for the next six months. This is the biggest project in the firm's history. This is my opportunity to be a project manager. You know, we're going to have to make some sacrifices on that side. And so it's just, it's being able to understand seasons and knowing that, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be different. But how does, how does a firm mean retain somebody? Because they're still super fruitful, 50 to 65 and 70 now. Um, yeah. And you don't want them to jump away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, you know, well, you dealt with a little bit of a brain drain uh, after the this most recent recession, 2008. I mean, people complain, I can't find a five to seven year person. That's because a lot of them just don't exist in, in most most of the professions within the design industry, engineers and architects alike. If you were in school getting an engineering degree or uh, architectural degree, 2008, 2009, you may have thought twice about getting into the design space. And maybe you went somewhere else and tried something else. So um, there's that. And then and then you have the issue of a, a whole new crop of young talent coming out of school, uh, but they operate differently. And, and, and how do you kind of reconcile that, you know, the, the lack of great people that you're looking for with the experience that you want, as well as this new crop of talent that's coming up. And, you know, you've mentioned it earlier, the gig economy is coming for this industry, whether we like it or not. I mean, just a few years ago, if I had said to you, hey, you know, Pete, I'm going to let my daughter get into any stranger's car and go ride around New York City, you would have been like, you're crazy. Now it's like you tell your daughter and you use it as a verb. Hey, go over there. Go lift there. It's like that's, it, you know, that's just where the, the economy has gone and the industry has changed. And I'm wondering if uh, we'll see the or experience the same thing when it comes to the gig economy in this industry. Uh, and I've written a lot about that in the past, but I suspect, and you tell me where you think things are going to fall, that... Um, you know, firms, just like you would go out and order a Uber or order a Lyft in the next few years, you've got a project that you're working on and you need a water, wastewater guy, a PE with, you know, 10, 12 years of experience. They're, they are going to be available uh, on an as needed basis for a project by project need. And you'll be able to just hire them that way. I think that does happen to some degree. There's a lot of specialty engineers and they just want to hang their own shingle. And I think that the subcontractor world is is growing. You know, how it's tough to hang a shingle when you don't have the experience. But from a senior perspective, I think there are there is experience happening. 
so I, I think that's a, that's a real thing. I mean, so to me, it's like to engage those folks, the young folks, I really feel it's if you can free up the capacity of the, 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 the older mentors to be able to love their career again, love the firm, love what they're doing to be able to infuse that <sighs> enthusiasm in the young folks. I think that's going to bring them along and they might not want to stray because they'll just see how, how real this is and they're not out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I think it's just the little things, right? I mean, free Coke and, uh, you know, chips and stuff in the kitchen and not charging everybody for every little thing, you know, having an open kitchen and, you know, maybe some food and, you know, taking a note from some of these tech companies that really go above and beyond. And I've been in some spaces uh, where, you know, they'll have baristas and, you know, bartenders and all kinds of stuff. And that's that's at a whole nother level. But we're talking about firms that may have 15 or 20 or 30 people. How do you keep your best talent? I think just treating them the way you'd want to be treated. Uh, will go a long way in, in, in engaging them like that. So, I think that I think that you know that just shows that the details matter, and the, we know you're making a sacrifice. I think what attracts a lot of the top talent is that career development. I will learn how to design a bridge. I will be able to work on this project. I know my role. I know who my team is, and I'm connected with the client, I, and I will see this be developed. I think people want that sort of hands-on engineering, know they're part of something big, that the firm's doing part of something bigger that's serving society, and I want to grow. Like, yes, I will have the experience to sit for my PE. Yes, I can become a project manager. You'll give me that opportunity to grow. So I think the, the top talent that who will be the future possible, you know, technical gurus or will be the project managers and your future principals. They want to make sure that the career development path is going to be clean and be able to to develop. But at the same time, you're going to care about me along the way. And if that's, you know, the, the coffee or if that's you're going to let me go to my kids recital. Um, and not feel guilty about it, um, or you're going to, I'm going to start having kids, and you know, as a family, whether you're male or female, you're going to allow me to maybe go part-time four days a week for the next four years or six years until my kids can get into grade school, because I want that part, but I don't want to be frozen out of advancement opportunities, and I still want to be an integral part of the team, but I want a choice other than you're with us or you're not. Yeah, I want, I want something that's going to be consistent with what I want personally, and I will give you what I all I have professionally. And the top people always give more because they want to grow and succeed. It's just people want a little bit more out of life. And I think it's finding that balance. And the more we talk about it and plan through it, I think there's win-wins out there. Yeah. I mean, wow. You know, and I know you hear yourself, but I mean, I know when you got in the industry, that was never the talk. I mean, that's that's just not how people operated, right. uh, you know. And it's it's it has changed a lot. And I remember what things were like in the '90s, and you know, working with some really big firms that were super successful, but people were super super stressed out and super busy, high utilization. So many so many aspects that that made these firms great were also negative aspects of 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 what made them great too. And and that was just the the the, the human toll uh, that takes part part uh you know take takes place in that process. Yeah and, and I think you know just people aren't willing to do it anymore. Even the best talent, even if money is, again, is not the issue, people aren't willing to do it. 
And so firms need to respond. And it's they don't want to not do a great job. They just don't want it to come at a cost, a too high of a cost anymore. And, you know, the, the millennials that are coming in a little bit more baked in with, you know, I want to have a life too. It's really not a bad thing when you sit back and think about it. Yeah, it's yeah. just different now. And, you know, the millennials, I think, have a little bit more guts than the Gen Xers because they're saying things that we thought and just didn't have – the guts to say yeah. <laughs> we, we and you know we were a little bit of a squeeze generation I mean, i'll say you know different you know levels of ebbs and flows of talent coming in i mean i i came into the industry in the early 90s and there was a big boom at that point of the software engineer and and it was cooler to go into software engineering and there was a whole group of talent that probably were going to go civil electrical uh, that ended up going software and i remember in the 1990s saying i'm driving a car that i hope starts um, and people are pulling into the garage because we shared a building with a with a tech firm and and uh, our engineering firm and, and people my age were driving much better rides than me and i'm thinking right. did i hit the right field yeah. and so i think you know, now it's, you know, to find talent, 15 to 25 years experience in the civil engineering, it, it's it's hard, number one, because there's just lower numbers, but it's hard, number two, a lot of that talent is like, I, I, I want to do my own thing, or I have certain expectations now in my career, and it's not going to be, give it all to a firm now. So an organization has one or two options. And so in the most proactive, I think, are saying, you know what, maybe we should just take a time out and rethink things. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, yeah, that that's that's really interesting. And I, so yesterday or the day before yesterday, I was reading an article about, you know, some of the most in-demand um, uh, roles that are out there. One of them was civil engineer. I don't know if you saw that, but civil engineer is one of the top 10 in-demand positions, you know, in terms of like job security and opportunity. And I got to say, I mean, I, I recognize that um, just just by virtue of the, the companies that we talk to between that. And I would say architects, uh, you know, uh, are, are, are hugely in demand, especially in certain verticals within the architectural space, uh, education, healthcare, um, you know, finding really good architects in those arenas are really difficult. And the same thing, really good civil engineers. Um, they have some serious job security because there's a lot of opportunities out there. Oh, there's I I'm 100 percent in agreement. And the opportunities are only expanding. I mean, infrastructure is only getting older. And now we're at a point where money is being invested in infrastructure. Yeah. The issue, the, the issue isn't the opportunity. The, in, the, the issue is going to be firms that retain and have the best talent to be able to pull off the projects and, and be able to compete for them. And, you know, it's just, you know, there was sort of the for a while after the recession, contractors could win firm win projects but it's like there's no way they're going to be able to finish that on schedule because they just don't have you know i think that's now transitioned into the engineering world where okay you can win this project is there any way you're going to be able to meet the schedule <laughs> I, and i think you know that, that's as much of an interview question now as you know i know what the contract says i know what you said but could you can you physically do that yeah. do you have the talent um and again even if you were able to line everything up, I mean, how much, how many of those projects can you take without burning out your staff yeah. or without your staff saying, you know what, I can just go somewhere else or I can have my own shingle. And so it's the, it's again, it's all good stuff, but is there something better we should think about to, yeah. to make this sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, like you said, what you were describing is that delicate balance that the project manager is, is, is trying to uphold 
to make things right uh, for their team, but also for the client as 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 well. And it's it's a difficult balance. It really is. It's, mm-hmm. it's and I think easy. that I I think I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, there's really we undervalue sometimes the role and the pressures of a project manager for profit and loss and everything that happens in the organization. The the mentoring. I mean, is so much that of that flows through the project manager. And without clear leadership and clear leadership saying, we want you to succeed in the long term. We want you to you'll be pleased after this project. We want you to be here five years from now without leadership, making sure that the project manager can control themselves, you know, like and just you know be able to sort of manage the situation because they are going to work themselves into the ground uh, because the pressures will be there until leadership says we're going to just pivot a different direction. We're going to, we're going to do things differently. We're going to reset expectations in a way we all win. Uh, but we're also winning next year. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think it's just that whole idea of, of, uh, of, of leaving something in the tank so that you can play another day. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's really important. So, so what do you, what do you, what are you doing? What are you finding is coming from just the success of your book and, and, and reaching out and, you know, dealing with teams and different organizations and going out to speak? I mean, what do you, what have you been able to accomplish through, through the writing of this book? I think, and it surprises me, I guess it doesn't surprise me now that I think about it, but it surprised me at the time um, that people didn't want to talk about burnout. Uh, People didn't want to talk about anything negative. And I would speak um, about the topic of burnout and people would be not want to ask questions, but they would afterwards, they would reach out to me. Um, and I would go to events and people would say, Hey, I really love, you know, the, 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 the blog and I love the book and, um, but, but I'm not going to like share it on social media because I don't want people to think that mm. I'm burnt out. I don't want my boss to know that I'm feeling a little disengaged right now. And so it's sort of bringing this topic and saying, it's not taboo. Let's just talk about it and, and reframing it to, it's not about, I have burnout. It's about, how do we as leaders avoid burnout? How yeah. do we recognize what starts it, what contributes to it today versus 20 years ago? Uh, and how do we set up systems to avoid it? Because nobody wants it. And set that as your your differentiator, that we recognize that these things are happening. And, and we don't want the burnout and disengagement cycle to, number one, exist, and number two, exist under the table where everybody knows it exists, but we're not talking about it. So I think that has been a, it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air where, okay, wow, we're talking about this and, but we're talking about it in the context of, I want to grow and excel. I just don't want to do it with burnout. Um, but let's recognize it exists. So that, that has been sort of a big um, awakening a little bit with, okay, well, we can talk about that. And then let's talk about you know, how do we still grow and excel? Because that's the, now we understand the situation. Let's now move forward as a firm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there. And I think it's the more and more firms acknowledge that uh, issue and and answer, try to answer that question, the better off they will be, I think in the long term. And I do believe that some firms are, 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 
consciously making a decision to effectively change in this area where they're where they're being more mindful about how people in their organization are working and, and the best ways to get the most out of their individuals, but at the same time providing the most resources so that they can be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, I'm sitting here at a stand-up desk, but I'm actually sitting, but I normally stand and it does make a big difference for me, but little things like that can, can really... Um, can make a difference uh, in terms of uh, how an individual feels and just just the, the way things go within their organization. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that within my own organization, just the fact that we've seen, uh, you know, what needs to be done and, and we're trying to make small changes to see incremental growth happen. And part of it is just elevating our mindset, elevating our thinking and and allowing us to just say, you know what, we want to do things a little differently. I know how the industry has been run for years, but we're going to do things a little differently. So if you need this, then we're going to get that for you. If you need that, then we're going to get that for you. And, um, you know, I think slowly you'll start to see the wheels of, of change happen within the design space. And it's a healthy dialogue and engagement. You know, one aspect, too, that has become very obvious, I mean, it was my case as a leader, as one of the major owners in a firm, is it's lonely at the top. I mean, it, it really is. And I think leaders themselves sort of need to address the issue and are. And, and that's a lot of the feedback I'm getting is from top leaders. And it's not, again, it, it's still a little bit of a, you know, I don't want people to know. I don't want my partners to know. I don't want, uh, you know, but but I'm feeling the strain of running an organization and being responsible and finding the next product and, and keeping 50 families employed. You know, we've got a thousand employees and it's on my shoulders to do. There's a lot there. And I think it's, it's also, a, you know, an opportunity for leaders to say, okay, let's write, let, let, let's look at things on a personal level, on a leadership level. Eat, in almost before we roll it out on a firm level. So mm-hmm. I think there's there, there's that need in leadership because it is it is lonely and there's a lot of pressures um, and there's a lot of exhausting of resources to be able to make successful firms happen. It doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, no, it does not. It definitely doesn't. So, well, what um, before we close out, what, what parting thoughts would you have for uh, some of your peers that maybe came up when you did and are still in the design space and, and, and what advice would you give them for just not just managing themselves, but also helping out the group behind them that's coming up the rear? Well, I think in the design space, it's, it's wrecking. It, it's don't lose the, don't, don't lose efficacy as far as the career. I mean, what we do as engineers um, and what a lot of professionals do is we do incredible things to support society uh, in a civil engineering space. I mean, it's 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 infrastructure for civilians. And so don't lose the love of the career. And um, just because we're so busy and so and to not lose that efficacy, just realize that if, if there is a little disconnect right now, just take the time to break down. Like, why is it? How, how is my life different now than it was? And, and just work through a process because I think it will take some time, but it will pay dividends just to be able to. And you know what? Honestly, we, we don't take the time to create some margin in our lives and, and a little bit of boundary so that we can really just look at what we've accomplished professionally, what we've accomplished personally, what we want to have done, you know, how we want next year to be different than this year and what we want five years from now. How do we what's our legacy in the firm? What's our legacy with our clients? What's our legacy with our kids? And I think it's take that time now because, you know, 
we want more 50 year olds who love their jobs again. Um, and so I think and that, that's great for the career. That's great for firms and that's great for society. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about the young, the young, the young buck coming up? Just got out of school a couple of years ago and fully in, in, engulfed in the design space as a young civil engineer. Well, I think their, their ticket to having a, a life and a lifestyle and a career that they really want to have better control of is to learn their craft and be darn good at what they do. Um, really, you know, know that something's done and it's not just done. I'm giving it to a supervisor. It's done. I know it's right. And anything I question, I flagged because I want the input on. And it's not just sort of I did enough. I'm leaving for the day. It's I know, I, you know, it's done, done, done. It's right, right, right. And where I have a question, it's this. And so it's it's that type of work ethic. And I think that's a differentiator today. I want to work and I want to learn and I want to know so that this firm can rely on me. And I think that's a little bit, you know, you don't just show up. It, it, you know, your career path is not based on years of experience. It's based on what you know um, and how you perform. Yeah, yeah. Work, learn, and know. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that some more. Work, learn, and know. So, um, all right. Well, cool. So, I You've you've dropped a lot on us today, Pete, and uh, you know I certainly uh, there, I'm, I'm sure our audience has has more questions, um, and and you've provided a lot of answers, and so I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to 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 be with us. Um, just before we get we let you go, we do want to learn a little bit more about you and what makes you tick. You've you've relocated uh, as you shared with me before we actually got on the call um, from New England down to the South and to Tennessee, and 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 that's going really well for you. But you know what else? Uh, what else uh, makes you tick right now? What else are you doing that's really exciting you uh, these days? Um, just in general. Well, the new venture is is um, you know just learning um, more about uh, the, the details of search engine optimization and you know going out and speaking and meeting new people. That's that's very exciting to me. Um, meeting you know how enge- how the engineering firms operate in the South versus in the you know the New England. It's 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 different, but it's the same. So that it, it's exciting to be doing something different again. In a lot of ways, I feel like I'm in my twenties. But, you know, wrapped in all of that is, you know, my wife and I are empty nesting. Uh, We had our kids uh, on the early side. And so now we're um, able to sort of enjoy each other again um, and sort of have have life again. Um, And so it's it's like my second half has started. I went through halftime and uh, now we're in the second half. So that's it's super exciting. Just learning new people, new places, um, but staying well connected um, to our life in New England, too. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, well, again, I appreciate you coming on the Zweigletter podcast and just kind of sharing your insight. I mean, you, you're dealing with an issue that is critical to the overall success of this industry. Period. I mean, it's just the way it is. And um, we feel that here at Zwy Group because we're constantly trying to encourage our clients to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And part of it is by each individual really taking care of themselves. And so I think if nothing else, people that listen to this particular episode um, really take that to heart and figure out ways to, as you said earlier, create some margin. Uh, I know I talk a lot about routines and, you know, all, all leaders, if you want to be a leader, all leaders have great routines and mm-hmm. figure out ways to develop 
um, even just the little things to, to kind of create that, that separation from work to everything else that you do, uh, make some time for yourself to recharge the mind. Cause if you can recharge the mind, generally the rest of your body will flow along with that. And I don't want to get too, um, mystical in my discussion here, but you know, meditating, praying, whatever you find that works for you will help you center things and, and get yourself right. Making sure that you take time for yourself in addition to the time that you take for your firm and organization or, you know, whatever else you're doing out there, but make sure you take time for yourself. Journal if you can. Find some time to be grateful for the things in your life that are really happening and that are really positive, which I'm sure there are a lot of things like that. But sometimes we have to be reminded to do this. I know I was. And the more that I have practiced that, the more that I have practiced meditation, the more that I have practiced journaling and being grateful and having gratitude for all the great things that are happening around me, it's allowed me to, to really hone in and focus on the things that I need to get done. And at the same time, it's, it's allowed me to just operate at a higher thought level, which is very, very crucial um, in this day and age when there's so many things bombarding us for attention and uh, in, in they, they aren't even all work related. So I just really want to encourage you take a lot of what Pete said today to heart because that information can be very helpful to you. So. But, uh, well, Pete, I want to thank you again for that. And I'll get off my soapbox and I see that you've gotten off yours. So um, we'll go ahead and wind this up. But for those that are listening today, can you let people know how they can find you and reach out to you? Sure. Um, you know, my website is um, actionsproof.com. Uh, you can send me a, a personal email at Pete at actionsproof.com, P-E-T-E, and I will 100% respond. So, um, but those are the best ways. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn also uh, and try to be more present on social media, uh, understanding the new platforms and really enjoying the chance to connect with other professionals out there. Yeah, well, that's how we connected. So I, I really appreciate you doing that. Sometimes we, we, we think we can't reach out to somebody because they won't respond or maybe that you think they're just too busy, but you just never know. And so I, I certainly appreciate you reaching out. And obviously the fruit of, of your efforts is this podcast and in addition to us, you know, building a relationship moving forward. So I really appreciate that. And we'll, we'll make sure to put all of your information in the show notes and uh, and share that with our audience as we move forward. And, and we have some I have some really great notes from today's conversation. So we'll, we'll have uh, we'll have some nice show notes for our audience to take in. And uh, I guess we could put a link to your book, which is you can get your book Reversing Burnout uh, on Amazon, right? You can get it on Amazon and you can get it through my website also. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll make sure we put a link to that on there as well. So uh certainly want to uh, encourage people to check out the book when they can, Reversing Burnout by Peter C. Atherton. Uh, anyway, Pete, thank you so much for, for coming out today and, and joining us just for a few minutes. I hope it was all that and then some for you. Uh, I hope you had a good experience and uh, I certainly look forward to us connecting again in the future, hopefully in in in, in person. Yes, I look forward to that. And I want to thank you for your generosity and hospitality, um, being able to connect. We did connect through LinkedIn. So I'm super thankful for that. I am a big fan of Zwei Group and I'm a big fan of your podcast. So thank I you. really appreciate what you're doing to get the word out um, of what engineers and architects are doing today and, and be able to just share about the industry. I, I think it's phenomenal. And, and I think you do a great job and I'm super thankful that Zweig is investing in this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, man. And uh, we will be talking with you real soon.
Folks, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Zweigler Podcast. Um, guests like Pete and others that come on this podcast do so um, by virtue of reaching out to us like Pete did or uh, people that we know or come in contact with. They could be clients or anybody else. But if you have something that you'd like to share on the Zweigletter podcast, feel free to reach out to me, Randy Wilburn, and all of my con- uh, contact information is in the show notes. Um, and cer- certainly you can avail yourselves of that, but I can always be reached via email at rwilburn, R-W-I-L-B-U-R-N at zweiggroup.com. I've got two other things I want to mention. First is I would like to encourage you to get your own personal digital copy of the Zweig Letter. The Zweig Letter has run continuously since 1992 on a weekly basis. Uh, I think it is probably one of the longest running newsletters for the design industry. Mark Zweig, uh, the founder of Zweig Group, writes a editorial in that, uh, um, in that paper or in that newsletter rather every single week. Uh, he comes up with something new to share, and he has so much information. He has forgotten uh, more than most of us will ever know of, about the design industry. And so certainly uh, it would benefit you to listen to and hear what he has to say. The second part of that is that simply it's free. That's right. You heard it right here. The Zweig letter is now free in digital subscription. So if you go to zweiggroup.com, that's Z-W-E-I-G group.com, and just click on the Zweig letter link, you may enter your email address. I promise you we won't spam you. The only thing you'll get is at 12 noon on Monday, your time, you'll get a fresh copy of the Zweig letter newsletter, hot off the presses. And each week we offer 12 pages of some amazing content about the latest and greatest things happening in the, in the uh, design industry. So I really want to encourage you to avail yourselves of that. You can even sign up your whole firm. If you want everybody in your company to get this wide letter, they can do so uh, through digital copy as well. Uh, just go to that link and we'll be more than happy to take care of it. So I want to thank you again for listening to this wide letter podcast. Uh, we are available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, soon to be Spotify, uh, we're accessible. We're, we're pretty much, you can find any great podcast and we thank you for listening. Uh, also, if you have a chance, give us a review. We'd love a five-star review and let us know what you think about the podcast and how it's helping you. Uh, and if you, even if you hate it, just let us know that too. If there's something that we can fix, we're more than happy to do that. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. Remember, we're here to elevate the industry. I really appreciate you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Until the next episode, take care. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.